Welcome to Audience First, a podcast for tech marketers looking to break out of the echo chamber to better understand their audience and turn them into loyal customers. Every week, Danny Wolf has brutally honest conversations with busy tech buyers about what really motivates them, the things they hate that vendors do, and what you can do about it. Get access to practical information on how to build authentic relationships with your audience. Listen to and talk with your buyers and apply real customer insights to your strategies and tactics. You owe it to the world to unmute your mic. Are you ready? All right. Welcome to another episode of Audience First. I have a very special guest with me today. I'm actually very thrilled to have Mae Brooks on. Why? Because I met her in person last week which is a yes. very rare that I actually meet my guest first in person and then speak with him. It was wonderful meeting you. I shout out to Ryan for, for connecting us. Uh, Ryan's great peoples. Uh, all right. So May, tell me a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? And why the hell do you do it? Um, who am I? What do I do? Well, I'm a cybersecurity expert, been in the industry for over 20 years. Now I can officially say over 20 years. Um, in love with this profession, in love with cybersecurity, got into the business totally by chance when I was in the army, when I was supposed to finish my IDF uh, service. And one of the guys told me, we have a new unit coming up, information security. We want you in. Great, but what's that? So that's how I got into information security at the time, cybersecurity as we evolved. Been in the industry ever since. Right now, I'm the, I'm the working as a cybersecurity expert, UABA consultant, deputy CISO for Wheel Bank, a digital bank based in the UAE. So I'm here. I relocated from Israel to the UAE six months ago, and we're very happy here. Amazing. Down the so rain. You, yeah. You mentioned, <laughs> um, first of all, that's exceptional. I, I, I would love to visit. Uh, what is it like, by the way, over there? Yeah. So um, I think that the best way to describe Dubai is sort of a combination between Manhattan and Vegas, but in high volume. Oh. Like think of think of Vegas, but bigger, sparklier. Oh. So I'm not in Dubai. Thank God, I'm in Abu Dhabi, which is the more mellow. I would, it, I would call it mellow, but there's nothing mellow about it. I went to one of the festivals last weekend, and they had a fireworks show for about ten minutes, and then a laser show for about another five minutes. And it was just because it's Saturday night. That was the only reason. So yeah, so it's pretty much big and everywhere, but it is great fun. And you get to meet people from all over the world because that's, I I think that's the most exciting thing about being in the UAE because you have here about a million, a million and a half Emiratis and all the writers are experts from all over the world. So in the bank, for example, where about 180 employees from 40 different nationalities, which is amazing. So mm -hmm. you work with everyone. Mm -hmm. So it's super exciting. That's awesome. And then, so you mentioned you're a cybersecurity expert. Now, expert, I mean, I feel like that's a very broad term. So take me through a little bit uh, uh, what, what you do from a, like a day-to-day -day basis. What does that look like? And, and what is your ultimate goal? I know I broke it down into two questions there. Yeah, so I think for me as being a very hyperactive person, that's why I love cybersecurity because no day is like the former day 
and I can start off the morning. For example, today I had a few very clear goals. I managed to go through them to about 11-ish and then all hell broke loose and I had to react. So that's how it goes. Usually as cybersecurity, well, right now the role is basically UABA and so basically, first of all, we have to secure the business. So yeah. the most important thing is to understand the business, which I think that for many cybersecurity professionals, myself included, when I started off, I started off as a very technical person. I used to do penetration tests and risk assessments and things like that. And I never looked at the business side of the organization I was working with. So today, as and I was a CISO before as well, I first look at the company, what it does, what, what are the business goals, what's the business strategy. And from that, I can build on to have a cybersecurity strategy that will correlate with what the business wants to achieve. So it's basically, it's all risk assessment and, and as a business owner as well, because I'm also a business owner, it gives me sort of the better understanding of the business world. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy for me to understand sometimes why our CEO would say something that five years ago, 10 years ago, I would say, but why? But doesn't he understand that that's a huge risk? Yes, he does. But he also understands that that's a huge business disabler. And from a business point of view, you can't do that. So I think that. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's great. So as, as the deputy CISO, um, for you're, you're working for a fintech company. Yeah. What is your one bleeding neck challenge right now? Ooh, so I think for fintechs, well, not just for fintechs, but especially for us as fintech and digital bank, but you're right, it is a fintech company. It's not exactly like your traditional bank that would build everything on our, ourselves. Um, for us, it's always the search party. Mm-hmm. So we have dozens of critical APNs, dozens of critical vendors. And let's say tomorrow morning, one of them gets hacked. Mm-hmm. I can't provide my service. So I'm really relying on other companies to do their side of the show. So it's, it's a leap of faith for sure. Mm-hmm. Apart from understanding the business, evaluating the business, securing the business, what is your ultimate goal you're trying to achieve as a security practitioner? I think for me, my biggest goal, and that's in life, not just in the bank, is to be sort of redundant. So what I mean by that is I always compare cybersecurity or staying safe online to staying safe on the road. Mm -hmm. We weren't born with the ability to identify a car speeding up or what the green light means, what the red light means. We We learned. And less than 100 years ago, there was no such thing as a crosswalk. So... My ultimate goal as a person, as a security professional, is that this knowledge will become common knowledge and everyone will know how to protect themselves and their families online. Mm -hmm. That's why I invest a lot of time and effort in security awareness, although it's not my, let's call it comfort zone. It's not technological. It has Mm -hmm. a lot more to do with people. And for me, that is the ultimate goal. Now, I can imagine that moving to Abu Dhabi and starting a new role can come with its set of challenges with regards to being bombarded by vendors and, and tools and that kind of thing. But let's, let's think about 
um, the first kind of the first day you you evaluated a new solution for my assumption again I'm, this is assumption I don't like assuming but risk assessment because that that is a goal right that is something mm -hmm. that you have to to manage within the organization is the risk tell me what happened <laughs> well you said bombarded that's definitely the right word um the second I changed my LinkedIn profile I mean clearly I started getting so many messages now. The worst ones are always the ones that haven't even bothered looking in my profile and offer me services that I provide. Or they ask me, do you want to take a CSSP course? Um, well, since I'm teaching CSSP and I'm one of the co-authors of the book, then no, not really. Um, yeah, so I got a lot of these as well. Um, but that's in general, it has nothing to do with we are specifically. I think that for me, when I get... When I want to do a new project, when I want to get a new vendor, and it doesn't matter if it's a service provider or a technical vendor or whatever, um, for me, it's first of all, understanding who they are and who are the people. For me, it's more, more important sometimes than the technology because there are a lot of wonderful technologies out there. But if the people aren't right, and if you don't have even chemistry, it sounds funny because it's business at the end of the day, but you do business with people, not just with products. So for me, it's first of all, evaluating who the firm is, who are the people, who am I going to work with, and then start evaluating it from a technological point of view, from a corporate point of view, business point of view, pricing, et cetera. So for me, what are, actually that's... What yeah. are ways, though, that you evaluate people within a, a potential vendor? So... First, I rely a lot on the ecosystem. And I think you saw that last week in Cybertech. It wasn't, I decided to come to Cybertech like two, three days in before it started because I really wanted to see some friendly faces that I know. The Israel ecosystem, beside being the number three, I think, today, um, country in the world, when you look at the number of cybersecurity companies and startups and everything, it's a very small community. When I walk around Cybertech, I recognize I would say 80 to 90% of the faces, I would know them, even know them by name, most of them. So in the Israeli ecosystem, it's easy. That was part of the reason I moved to the UAE, because I wanted to challenge myself and be in a new place that I don't know everyone. So first of all, you value it because you look at the people. And I do things that a lot of, I know that a lot of salespeople do the same, and I definitely do that. I do social engineering, that's why I meet with a company. So I will look into the company profile and I will look into who's there and who's working for them. And do I know them? Do I have recommendations, shared connections? Then before the first meeting, I will go into the profile of the people I'm supposed to meet and look into that. So yeah, I, I'm a social engineer, engineer at heart. So I, I sometimes mean, I, I use it for good. Yeah, and I, I think that those tactics are great and necessary uh, steps that any, you know, marketing or sales professional should take before any meeting. So if you could give those steps, you, you did list those out, but if you could give kind of the, the, you know, quick checklist of where to start and how to start LinkedIn. So for, yeah. First start with the web, uh, with the website of the company. Yeah. And I personally, it's hard for me to trust, especially when it's a service provider, not so much when it's a vendor, but when it's a service provider, it's hard for me to trust them when they hide their team 
when there's no about us, not who's the, who the team is. It's because at the end of the day, especially with a service provider, I want to work with specific people. So the first place will be the website, by the way, on the website. Please do not BS me. Mm-hmm. Please don't tell me that the company, because that happened today. Today I looked at a company profile, a new service provider that wanted to offer services to the bank. And I was looking through the website and everything looked fine. And then I'm looking at accreditation certification. And then they write, um, the company, X company is certified with either member of IFC Square, ISACA, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Only one tiny problem. A person can be a member of ISACA or IFC Square, but not a company. Yeah. So take into consideration that the other party also know what they're talking about. So that's number one. Number two will be LinkedIn. If LinkedIn, if you, I will feel that LinkedIn does not give me enough coverage of that person, especially if it's a more important me- meeting. If I'm meeting with someone that is a strategic partner or something like that, then I will go into other social media platforms as well, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. I will look it on Google. I will just Google the person and try and see what I can find. Did they take interviews? Did someone write about them? Things like that. I think that's fascinating that you're taking the time to research who's trying to get your business. And and it's fascinating that you're putting in the time to do that because, again, you're strapped for time. Yeah, but it doesn't take long. To be honest, Mm -hmm. before a new meeting, I won't do the whole process for every new vendor that sends me an email. Sometimes I'll just go to the first meeting and do that evaluation after the first meeting. But to be honest, a meeting will take an hour of my time. I'd yeah. rather spend 15 minutes before or 10 minutes before to see whether it's something that I even want to explore. If I hear mm-hmm. about a new company or a new vendor or a new product. So the first thing I'll do, and that's again, the ecosystem that I'm a firm believer in creating those relationships inside the ecosystem. I'm a lot of Facebook and especially WhatsApp groups for cybersecurity professionals. Some of them are local in the UAE, some in the UK, some in Israel, some global. And if I have a new vendor that I'm evaluating, the first thing I'll probably do is who knows whatever. Have you worked with them? What's your experience? And we do that all the time. There are a lot of CISO clubs of sorts that we share that data. So you have to take into consideration as a marketer that if you insult one of us, you insult all of us. (laughs) <laughs> so that's also a problem. Yeah, I, I I get it. I've heard it before. I think one before we move on to our, our next question, one interesting uh, insight that I got actually from Ryan was that he looks at Glassdoor also. Oh, yeah. He looks yeah. at Glassdoor to see how uh, how employees are feeling because that's a strong indication how customers will be treated. True. True. That's I, a great I, thought that, I thought that was exceptional. Yeah. I really, really loved that insight. Um, well, Ryan always have great insights. Oh yeah, Ryan's Ryan's loads of fun. Yeah. So th- I want you to think about this last service, right? That you were evaluating. I mean, you can mention what kind of service it is. That's always mm-hmm. helpful. But why didn't you evaluate it sooner? Like, what what happened now, or what change that you decided now is the time to, hmm. uh, you know achieve this goal with this service. And you can fill in those blanks, by the way, if you have more insight. Well, in theory, first day, uh, not first day, but first quarter that I, would, that I work for any company, the first thing I will always do is try to 
do my own risk assessment, meet up with key personnel inside the company, C-level execs, understand what, where they're coming from, and trying to evaluate the risk for myself. And then you create a work plan. Now, the work plan is based on a lot of different things, on the skill set that my team has, on current vendors that we already have, on current projects that we already have. So there is no point, for example, um, in my eyes, and that, again, it has nothing to do with WIO, but in general, there's no point in doing a full-blown DLP project, data leak prevention project, without first doing data classification because it will be out of the box. It will give me, okay, don't let PII leak, don't let credit card leaks, which is great, but that's usually not the only point. So, um, so there are lots that you have, there are things that you have to go through in order to achieve those goals. So if you want to do a DLP project, there's no point in doing that without data classification, without asset mapping first. Yeah. There are things that have to do with maturity. So, so for example, when, when I used to do a lot of uh, security awareness campaigns in my company, so a lot of companies said, oh, we want to do this, that, and the other. Guys, it's the first year. We can't start off. You don't start running before you start walking and before you crawl. You have to start with something. So let's do the basics. Mm-hmm. And plan that next year we're going to do the next step. And the year after we'll do the next step. And that's one of the reasons that personally I love about ISO 27000 theories that it always aspires for optimization. What's the next stage? What's the next level? And I took that also in my personal development. So there's always a next step. So in mm-hmm. some aspects I will say, wow, I've already done this, that, and the other. Wow, amazing. There's so many other things I want to achieve. So there's always a step. I love that. Um, what are, are there any like differences or anomalies right now in the market that, um, you know, salespeople, marketers, vendors can learn from or take advantage of to stand out in your eyes? Hmm. I think that, I think COVID changed a lot of things for a lot of companies. Mm-hmm. I think it created that much smaller world people are not that afraid of trying things that they don't know. On the other hand, it did make us sort of stick to what we know in specific areas. So I think that the best thing that marketers can do is create brand awareness. Now, you're a much bigger expert than I am on that, but I did see some new products coming from different parts of the world and creating that brand awareness even as in the Israeli market, and the Israeli market is not easy because, again, it's such a small community. We know everyone. So it takes time to sort of be blended in the ecosystem. And I saw a few vendors that did it very nicely. They started working with different people in the, com- in the industry, working with them, taking their advice, understanding how the ecosystem works, being part of different community um, the different community um, events that we create. So I think those are the things that I like seeing. And again, don't be as mm-hmm. We know what we want. Don't try to tell me you need this. No, I don't. If I'm telling you, look, this is not a priority right now. Mm-hmm. That it's not. You're not going to change my mind. Unfortunately, if I'm saying it's not a priority, either I don't believe in the product, or I don't have the budget, or I have a million other things that are also important. So that pushy attitude is in many cases sort of a turn off oh 100 percent. so i I, we could go down two 
two different routes. Well, maybe we could. Okay, so let's start with the latter, which is you just ended off with um, there are priorities there. Uh, we're not ready right now. So how would a salesperson or a marketer understand your priorities best? Hmm. What, what, what would be the way to extract that data? Not under an NDA. Well, I think, I think the difference between different salespeople, I see some salespeople and I actually trained some of these salespeople. They actually went to do CISSP or CISO training or other training. It doesn't really matter which one. And they understand the professional side mm -hmm. and we can have, and those are the salespeople that usually I trust more and find it easier to work with because when I tell them this is not a priority. First, sometimes I will explain myself. Sometimes I won't. Sometimes they'll be able to talk to me. Um, I just had a very co interesting conversation during CyberTech with a vendor that I really wanted to work with. But there was one technical issue that I told them, look, I'm not going to implement this tool until this is sorted. I'm not going to. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. And he tried to convince me at first and told me, but that bank did it and this bank did it. And I told them, great. If we don't have the same infrastructure, we're not in the same market. I'm not going to do it. This is not, this is unacceptable. I tried. I pushed it up the ladder, but pushed every several away. It's not going to happen. And then right. on CyberTech, he called, he saw me and he, that I was just about to call you. We pushed it to the roadmap. It's done. We can do mm -hmm. it. So, mm -hmm. so have those professional conversations, not just mm -hmm. business conversations. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to the brand awareness comment. That's a mm. big statement. Do more brand awareness. Ah, easy peasy. Ah, yeah. Easy peasy. Uh, not easy peasy. It's one of the harder ones, the more expensive ones. So what in your eyes stands out from like a brand campaign or a brand element or a brand idea or a brand whatever? So I can mention two companies. One is US-based, one is Israeli-based. Mm -hmm. um, one is a security awareness company. They are my competitors, but they're doing a wonderful job, so wonderful that I actually helped them with their brand awareness. And that's why the training. Why the training started about a year ago? Yeah, doing a lot of webinars. I participated in from two or three of them. Mm -hmm. And I love that because they were a new player in the market. They went with the platform like Mel before and other platforms. And they had to create that brand awareness. So what they did was to reach out to people like myself included, because I have a community in Israel, a Facebook community with 20,000 people. So they reached out. I participated in a few of their uh, webinars. I thought that was wonderful. Another company that I can mention is RiseUp, which is an Israeli fintech. So just control your budget, control your expenses. And they knew that their biggest challenge accessing the market was to create brand awareness was one, but the more important thing was creating trust. Why would mm. I give you access to my credit card, to my bank account, to all my financial accounts? And they knew that cybersecurity in their perspective is a huge, huge uh, issue. And they, again, went and that it's funny that you mentioned that it's expensive. It doesn't have to be. They used to do, I don't know if they still do it, but at the time, about a year, two years ago, they started doing live podcasts like we're doing now, like I used to do for two years. And they used to host people from the cybersecurity community, talk about the challenges. They had a very strong 
CTO with very strong security knowledge, very wide security knowledge and experience. And they just talked about it. And they mm -hmm. took questions from the audience, from their customers, and answered them in, on live broadcast. And I thought that was wonderful. Mm -hmm. And when they did have, and that's something that also helps. When they did have a good answer, they said, you know what, we'll check and we'll get back to you. And they did. Mm -hmm. And I think that's always a wonderful approach when teaching, when yeah. doing podcasts, whatever. 100%. I mean, that's the way, that's the way I've been doing it for, I don't even know, two and a half, three years already. Uh, switched, uh, switched it up after doing the traditional brand awareness thing that just didn't work and blew through budget. So I, I uh, echoing what you're saying here, definitely. Um, so a couple more questions, which this is the juicy part. I call this the, <laughs> the, the, the shit list uh, of the podcast. Uh, what are some cardinal rules? And, and you touched on this a little bit throughout the, the session today. What are some cardinal rules do you think uh, security vendors, marketers, sales teams, what's above, below, and between are, are breaking these days? Hmm. Respecting each other's privacy. Not, even though you can find my phone number on face, uh, not on Facebook, but on my webpage and everything, it's unacceptable to call me when you don't know me. To just out of the blue, give me a call. Or mm -hmm. to send more, one email, fine. Two emails, okay. But to send again and again and again, it's annoying. It's probably the best way of getting me to not be a customer. Mm -hmm. um, shitting on your competi competitors, I hate that. Tell me why you're good. Don't tell me why the other guy is bad. I hate mm -hmm. that. I really mm -hmm. hate that. Um, those are the things that really bug me personally. Mm -hmm. When I feel that people are BSing me, I don't like that. Why do you hate when other uh, vendors shit on other competitors? I think that has to do with personality. I don't believe in competition. I believe in collaborations. And that's why I was very happy to be a few times on the Wiser training um, webinars. Although, again, they are my competitors. Helena does basically the same. We do security awareness training. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. But I believe in collaborating. I will never go and say, oh, these, they don't do it as good as us. Or they're terrible and we're wonderful. I will tell you why I'm wonderful. Maybe I am, maybe I'm not. But I will tell you that I'm wonderful. And if you decide to work with me, great. And then I will have to prove that I'm wonderful. But I'm not going to tell you that someone else is not. And again, the Israel, especially the Israeli ecosystem, but the cybersecurity world is also so tiny. I mean, we didn't know each other. Mm -hmm. I met Ryan in a webinar like two, three years ago. Suddenly he said, you have to meet Danny. <laughs> Introduce us on LinkedIn. Then I found out you live in Israel, like 10 minutes from my previous house. Um, so, I mean, it's a small, small world. world. It's, small, it's a small community. It's a small world. I meet. I met a few people here in the UAE that I used to be in connection with years ago in the UK. So you don't know where, where it's going. And we know each other. So again, it's people. It's all about the people. Yeah. What's um, one thing a vendor has done that made you feel really good? Mm -hmm. Hear me. Hear me out. Yeah. Just listen. Listen and... 
listen and do something about it because for listening, I have friends. Um, most of them are cybersecurity professionals. No, really, but listen and accept and try to change what they could to make me happier. It, mm. not, it doesn't necessarily work. Sometimes it will be impossible from a technological point of view, from a roadmap point of view, from a budgetary point of view, but at least they tried. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that last week uh, during, you know, the, during, not at Cybertech per se, but during the Cybertech time, uh, Dimitri and I, who you met, you met, uh, we were, we were talking about how powerful doing your job for you and making you happier goes a long way. Even if you don't get the business now, you know, you're in their mind and appreciated that you helped them solve complexity and try and simplify uh, during that uh, period of time. So I, I appreciate that. I love that so much. This is so powerful. We didn't get through uh, one question that I actually want to ask now, and we'll kind of cut it back towards the beginning. Mm -hmm. Kind of a more general question. What do you hate most about the cybersecurity industry? Hmm. It's what I love most about it as well. That it's so tiny. Uh-huh. It's so tiny. Everyone knows everyone um yeah so it's the one thing that i really love and the one thing that i really hate you can't mm. you don't have secrets in the cybersecurity world you can't keep secrets i mean you'd figure you could <laughs> uh, i mean you can try but someone will find out very quickly we're all very curious people mm -hmm. so we're not good at keeping things to ourselves and not Talking into other people's lives and then sending everything. But going back, by the way, to the point of the one thing that a vendor did to make me feel happy, I love that vendors, and not just in cybersecurity, but in general, vendors, service providers, go the extra mile. Mm. Go and give you that tunnel something, and it could be even a freebie. Um, and I'm going to Pat myself on the back, but that's something that, and Helena, I took from, uh, from various companies that I saw that they did things that I really loved. And I tried to be in that sort of state of mind when we created the company. For example, mm -hmm. every year before Black Friday, we always said, here is a list of tips on how to stay safe online. When mm -hmm. I did, when I created the community, the Facebook community, Things Exciter, it wasn't about business. It was my way of giving back to community. And mm -hmm. then, I started asking my customers when I finished uh, doing um, a live training or or awareness training or whatever. I asked them, do you want me to tell people about the community? And they said, yes. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's I'm giving them a freebie that I will do anyway. I will continue supporting this community because I'm so proud of this community. So I'll do it anyway. So for me, it doesn't cost me anything to tell all my clients send it to your people when I do a live webinar in the community. I always send it to my clients and things like that. And that's the extra mile, giving them something extra that they know they will get, that I'm supposed to give them 10 content uh, pieces a year and I'm giving them 14. Mm -hmm. So it will make them happier. Mm -hmm. I and love that's that. That's how I like being treated as a customer and that's how I try to treat my customers as well. Definitely. Definitely taking note. Uh, this has been a, an absolute pleasure. We are headed towards the end of the session. 
Uh, but, but before we sign off, is there one thing you'd like to impart on, on the audience today? Hmm. Think, think about the other side, mm -hmm. listen to the other side, and don't be too set in your ways when talking to the other side. Mm -hmm. Love it. That. Yeah. May, love this conversation. You are always welcome back to the show. Uh, this will not be the first and the last. So, well, it is the first. It won't be the last. Definitely. <laughs> uh, and I hope to see you soon uh, back in, uh, I mean, maybe back in Tel Aviv or maybe I'll come to your neck of the woods. I don't know if you also visit the States uh, frequently, but hopefully we'll be able to see each other face to face again. Will do. Thank you for having me. My I love pleasure. this show. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Audience First. If you like what you've heard, feel free to follow or subscribe to Audience First on Apple, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast streamers.